Because Jesus gave it to me. Say, you are my champion. Come on, declare. You are my champion. And giants fall where you stand undefeated. Every battle. And today, I am who you say I am. Lord, you crown me with confidence. I am If you know that your king is risen and alive and victorious, can you put your hands together today and say amen in this place? I have a champion. Amen and amen. I just feel it of the Lord briefly just to do this for a moment if I can. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul's closing out this letter to the church in Thessalonica and I just want to give you this here today just for a moment I think it's so so profound for even where we are living right now in this very moment and if you're believing God for a miracle today if you're believing God for a healing today if you're believing God for a breakthrough today if you're believing that God is still God and he's going to show himself to be God in your situation today and here's what the scriptures ultimately tell us First Thessalonians 5 it says this to rejoice always Come on, someone say always. Always still means always. Rejoice always. But I'm having a bad week, Pastor. Rejoice always. But I'm not getting along with my spouse. Rejoice always. But I'm having problems at work. Rejoice always. But I've got more months than I've got money. Rejoice always. But Satan's coming against me. Rejoice always. And then he says this. Pray without ceasing come on somebody pray without ceasing it just means i'm mindful always that god is right here present in my situation i might not remember to talk but i can remember god is right there and all i've got to do at any moment is open up my mouth and believe a great god can work great miracles in my situation pray without ceasing and then he says this in everything give thanks in everything give thanks in every situation throw up your hands and say thank you god you are with me my family's turned on me but thank you god if you be for me who can be against me in everything we say thank you lord I, I got it. It's a holiday weekend and you want to blow some things up and you want to have your barbecue, fine. But can you just throw up your hands real quick and say, thank you, Lord. At least I live in a nation where I can act a fool tomorrow. I live in a nation where maybe some people are still bound up around the world. But I can declare the freedom that I have because of the, the lives that were laid down. But more so than my freedom as an American, can you throw up your hands and say, thank you, Lord, that the cross 2,000 years ago guaranteed I can be free from sin and free free from shame and free from my past and free to live for righteousness and free to go to heaven thank you lord in all things give thanks for this is the will of god in jesus christ my lord amen and then lastly he just goes on to say this and just in case you've never been in this kind of environment before i'll tell you why 
because they never heeded what Paul said next. In verse 19, he says this, quench not the spirit. Do not extinguish the flame of the spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go to churches all over America that are quiet and boring and the Spirit of God has not been welcomed there in a long time. I promise you this, I'm thankful for those churches, but that's not us. That's not just, I need the presence of God alive and moving in my life on a daily, on a daily, on the daily. I need to know that you are there, Lord, and that you are fighting this battle for me, and that you've already gone ahead of me and wrought the victory. So in this season, I'm not, I'm not here to, to put down where you come from. I'm here to tell you what Paul said. Don't quench the Spirit of God because there's a fire, a passion, a purity, a power that he's wanting to bring to this generation for just a moment longer. Can I get some believers to stop staring and start participating and throw your hands up and say, Holy Spirit, be welcome in this place because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I don't have to pray for it. I don't have to shout for it. I don't have to push for it. If the Spirit is here, then freedom is here. Can I get an amen from some believers today? Amen. Amen. All right. All right. I'm going to go to the Word of God. But before I, before I do, can you just throw up your hands one more time and just give thanks to God in all things and in all situations. Maybe the enemy's coming against your health, but can you give God thanks that you have a healer named Jesus? Maybe the enemy's coming against your finances, but can you throw up your hands and say, thank you, Lord, you are still my Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Maybe just maybe the enemy's coming against your family, but can you say, thank you, Lord, you still got my family around them, and I've declared a long time ago, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can you thank him in everything that he hasn't done with us yet? We can be faithless, but he remains faithful. We thank you, Lord, in all things. Amen and amen. Someone shout amen today. Amen. Woo! Glory. 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 Come on, somebody. I know it's a holiday weekend, but give God glory today. Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. I can urge most people ready for me to move on. Praise the Lord. Okay, here we go. Stand your feet with me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you sit down. I didn't even say that, so stand your feet with me. <laughs> Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. I'm going to try to, I'm going to preach this kind of like a, um, like an Oreo cookie. I'm going to give you the wafers today, the outside. Next week, I'll give you the, the middle, okay? Today, we're going to just focus on the outsides of this text, so... Acts chapter 12. If you're capable of standing, please stand to your feet for the reading of the word of God. If you're capable. Acts 12. And if you're not, I believe God can still heal you. Amen? Amen. Did, and, and, am I clear? If you're capable of standing, please stand. If not, I'm praying you're healing today. Okay. Amen. Okay, good. Thank you. Acts 12. The Bible tells us this. It was about that time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them intentions, bad intentions of the enemy, tending to persecute them. And here's what Herod did. He had James, the brother of John, put to death 
with a sword. More than likely, he was possibly beheaded. Okay, this is what the, the scholars ultimately believe. He put to death of the sword wasn't just being stabbed to death. He was, his head was removed from his shoulders. And when he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, you got to be real careful what you do to win the approval of people in political power. Come on, somebody. You got to be careful. The, the, the things that you will stoop to, the, uh, the things that you will compromise, the, the things that you will give up, the, the people you will step over to gain political favor. He saw this met with approval from the Jews, so what he did is he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival on leavened bread, literally just, just a, a week or so before Passover. And after arresting Peter, Herod put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded, check this out, by four squads of four soldiers each. Do you see that? Four squads of four soldiers each. That's 16 soldiers for one apostle. How powerful do you have to be to where you need 16 armed guards standing around you? Come on. Peter had to be up under some serious attack to need 16 soldiers. How about you today? You've been under attack? How powerful must you be for the enemy to come against you the way he has? 16 guards. I love verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now what do we have? Now we have the showdown. We have, we have Herod's prison versus the church's prayers. We have Herod's persecution versus God's purpose. And, and the scriptures tell us this, that the church was earnestly praying to God. Pastor Bethel, I know this sounds harsher than I mean it to, but most Americans are not what Pentecostals call prayer warriors. Mo most Americans kind of pray like this. We worry out loud, and then we call it prayer. Come on, somebody, right? Uh, that, that we, we, we just, we, we, here's, here's my issue. Here's my problem. God, do something about it. And then we call that, we call that prayer. But the church was earnestly praying, earnestly praying. Uh, I, I, I believe that my understanding of the definition of earnest does not mean one of those quiet, nice, whispered kind of prayers. There's a time and a place for that. But that was not happening after James lost his head and Peter's probably going to lose his as well. It's not time for one of those quiet, God, if thy will would be. For, it's not one of those moments. It says they were earnestly praying. Do you understand? Earnestly is the same word that was used in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus knelt down in prayer and his sweat was becoming like drops of blood. And he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done earnestly praying it means this i won't stop praying it means i won't stop believing even though i'm not getting the answer yet i'm going to continue to pray even though i'm disappointed i'm going to continue to pray it means the church kept praying even though they couldn't see god was already working they kept praying verse six the night before herod was to bring peter to trial Look at Petey. Petey's sleeping between two of the soldiers, bound with chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. The night before, he's probably going to die. The night before. Can you relate to this? You ever been there? It's the night before. It's, it's, it's down to the wire. It's, it's the last minute. It's, it's sudden death over time. But here comes my help. Verse 7, suddenly, 
an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side. I'll talk about that next week and woke Peter up quick. Get up. The angel said to Peter and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Do you see the sequence? Peter, get up and the chains fall off. That's not how we want this thing to work. We want the chains to fall off and then we'll get up. But Peter understood something I believe you've got to get today. When I obey, even though I bound, the chains will fall after my obedience. Here's what we need to learn today because Peter learned this. Obedience comes before freedom. I'll say it again for the people who aren't listening to me. Your obedience proceeds your freedom. It's here for you, but you have to obey. Get up, Peter. And then the chains fell off. Throw up your hands and give God a praise. And then the burns begin to fall off. Don't sit there silent. Open your mouth and declare the word of the Lord. And then the enemy has to back up. We want it the other way around. But obedience comes before the freedom. Verse 8, and the angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals, and Peter did so. This is the oriole feeling for next week. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, and the angel, the angel told him, and he, and he did so. And Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was, do, was doing. Was, was this really happening? He thought he was seeing a vision. And they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city and opened up to them by themselves. I'm going really quick for a reason. And they went through. And when they had walked through the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself, and he said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen to me. In this moment, Peter catches the revelation. Everything my enemies hoped would happen and everything my enemies plotted to happen and everything that they tried to do against me and thought would happen and every weapon that was formed did not work. Can you relate to this today that no weapon that has ever been formed against you shall prosper nor has prospered verse 12 and when this had dawned on peter he went to the house of mary the mother of john also called mark where many people had gathered and were praying peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named rhoda came to answer the door and when she recognized peter's voice she was so overjoyed check this out that she ran back without opening the door and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Shut up, Rhoda. We're praying for Peter. That's not what they said. That's just me throwing it in. But no, Peter's at the door. Verse 15, they told her this. They said, you are out of your mind, girl. But when she kept insisting that it was so, then they said, okay, it must be his angel. Isn't this crazy? They're praying for Peter. Peter shows up, and instead of believing that God answered their prayer, they think God's sending his angel. I don't know if it's his guardian angel. I don't know if they thought Peter was dead and Peter was just showing up in angelic form. I don't know what they believed. But they had more faith in an angel than in the fact that God could answer what they were prayed for. Help us, Lord. But I love this next verse, and I promise I'll let you sit down right after this. I promise. That's why I was hurrying. Verse 16. But Peter kept on knocking. If there is one thing I have learned about this walk of faith, ladies and gentlemen, and it's my topic for the day, never stop 
knocking. Matthew 7, 7. My father taught me this as a child. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Just before you're seated, I'm sorry, but I have to do this. Look at your neighbor and say, knock, knock. Who's there? Ach. Achu. God bless you, baby. You can be seated. Amen. Amen. I'll give you more knock-knock jokes next week, okay? Amen. Verse 6 again. Tiana, give him verse 6 one more time. Verse 6. The night before, Herod is about to bring Peter to trial. He's about to stand trial. We don't even know if James had a trial. All we know is that James was put to the sword. Here we see that more than likely the same thing is about to happen to Peter. He's standing trial and he's possibly going to die and what is Peter doing? Is, is Peter fretting? Is Peter anxious? Is, is Peter, come on, deep in prayer? Is, is Peter praising and worshiping God like, like Paul and Silas did in Acts 16? Hmm, look, look at none of the above. Peter was asleep. He was asleep, sound asleep. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, how many of us have in the same situation, if our life was on the line, we're just going to be, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be executed tomorrow, but I'm just going to go ahead and take a nap. A little siesta for me, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. He is sleeping. What is it about Peter, ultimately, that he knew that enabled him to lie there and rest instead of lie awake and be distressed? What did, what did he know? Maybe he, I said this last week, but, but maybe he, he was sleeping not because of what he felt with his senses. Maybe he was able to sleep because of what he knew in his spirits. Maybe he remembered back in, in Mark chapter 4. Do you remember the Bible story in Mark 4 where, where Jesus tells them, we're going to the other side, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. So in Mark 4, they're in a boat in, in the middle of the lake, in the middle of what became what looked like a, a giant squall or, or a, uh, a hurricane possibly. I don't know how you can get a hurricane in the middle of a lake, but that's what it seemed like. And, and here's Peter and the rest of the disciples, and they're, they're straining, and they're, they're, they're striving against the wind and the waves. They're, they're striving just to survive and while they're straining and, and while they're striving guess what they go to find Jesus and where was Jesus while they were straining and striving Jesus was sleeping maybe just maybe Peter remembered at that moment God can do more when I'm sleeping than I can ever do in my straining God could do more when I just say, you know what? I'm just going to go to bed. God could do more in my sleeping than I can ever do in my daily striving. I'm just trying to help somebody out today. I know you're, you're staring at me and, and, and you wish I was preaching a message about freedom, but I feel like too many of you can't get free because you're too busy straining and striving instead of just sleeping, knowing, like Psalm says in 121.4, he who watches over Israel never sleeps and never slumbers. The Lord himself watches over you. If God never sleeps and if God never slumbers, then what sense does it make for both of you to be up all night long losing sleep if he's got it? Anyway, I might as well go to bed and rest. It's the, it's the whole point of just learning to trust God. You know how you learn how to trust God? When you start getting out of God's way. 
I trust you, Lord. When, when, you, when you actually, would tr- when, listen to me, when you try to finally get out of your flesh, that's how I learned to trust God. When you, when you get out of being anxious and fearful, this is how you learn to trust God. Guess what? I know Herod's going to show up tomorrow, and he might kill me tomorrow, but tonight, I'm going to go to sleep. Tomorrow brings enough troubles of its own. Today, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to rest in his promise. He's going to be up all night anyway. I'm going to get some rest. So on one hand, this whole passage here in Acts 12, it's, it's about peace. Someone say peace. It's about peace. Anyone just in need of a little bit of peace? Just, just, just a little bit of peace. I don't, don't look at the people next to you who rob your peace all the time. But Lord, I just need just a, a little bit of, of peace in, in my life. And, and here's Peter. He has this peace, Pastor Bethel, to, to literally sleep on what was possibly the worst night of his life. Rev Dev, he didn't have your, your white noise phone app from your... He just, I'm just going to sleep. I'm just going to sleep. So I believe this passage is about peace, but as I keep reading, and I want you to get this in your spirit today, I believe this passage is also about persistence. Persistence. Never stop knocking. Why is it about persistence? Because I like to read things in context. Anybody else Anybody believe that it's just maybe wrong for us to isolate one scripture and build an entire denomination off it for years and centuries to come? Maybe we need to read everything in context. When you read the Bible in context, especially Acts 12, just go back one chapter to Acts 11, and what you will see is there's a a severe famine that has been prophesied, literally prophesied, it was going to hit the entire Roman world. All the Roman Empire is going to be affected by this famine. So what we have is is a famine that has hit the Roman Empire in Acts 11. We have the church doing what the church should do, and it's providing help to those in need, because that's what the church ultimately is, is partly what we're supposed to do is not just gather and worship. We're supposed to go out to the streets and be Jesus Christ to the world around us. And so the church is helping meet needs and, and they're feeding people and, and, and raising funds during the time of the famine. And it's at this moment that they're providing help that Herod starts persecuting the church. Wait, I'm just trying to be helpful. Why am I under persecution? Herod starts persecuting Christians and he has James head removed from his shoulders and James is one of the big three. You remember James, Peter, James, and John? He's one of the big three. He's, he's killed off at this point and now, again, for political favor, political clout, he imprisons Peter to possibly have him killed. So, from the passage, we understand the church is dealing with the famine. Now they're dealing with persecution and now their preacher gets imprisoned. Peter, you know the guy who stood up in in Acts chapter 2, right, and preached. He's now been in in prison, and from this passage, we begin to understand the church goes to praying for Peter, but here's my question. Did they pray for James? I mean, it's not not in the text, but but come on, if if they're earnestly praying for Peter, what, what makes you believe in any form or fashion that they weren't earnestly praying for James? I mean, the moment persecution started, I'm sure they started praying. So we know they're praying for Peter. I have to believe that they were also praying for James. And I just wonder, what kind of faith does it take to earnestly pray for Peter after you've already watched James die? What kind of faith does it take to believe for someone else's miracle after you didn't get your own miracle? 
May, I don't maybe I'll say it like this. Have you, have you ever had to pray? Have you ever had to believe God? Have you ever had to ask of God? Have you ever had to trust God? Have, have you ever had to seek God after he didn't answer the last thing you were praying for and believing for and trusting for? And ladies and gentlemen, whether we want to admit it or not, our faith often collapses when God doesn't meet our expectations. Oh, Lord. Let's be honest. This ministry has experienced a lot of loss lately. Grief. How do I watch Karina or Jessica respond after a miscarriage? How do I watch those of you who are experiencing lawsuits right now respond after you've been served? How, how, how do I watch you respond after that relationship you were praying for ends? How do I watch you respond after you hit one financial struggle after another? Uh, does my faith collapse when God doesn't meet my expectation? And, and I was praying for my brother, but he went back into relapse. And, and I, was, I was praying for forgiveness, but the betrayal just, just hurt too much. And, and I, I was praying for God to remove the grief, but then I lost someone else. And, and I need you to know the problem for most of us pastors is simply this. Not that you need more prayer from us. The problem for most pastors is you have questions and you want answers you don't want just my prayers you want answers and in the absence of answers what begins to grow in your heart cynicism and pessimism and skepticism and negativism and defeatism and i don't know whether ism you want to throw on top of that but guess what god didn't answer my prayer and i'm disappointed in fact i'm beyond that i'm losing faith I had an expectation, and God didn't meet it. Anybody else ever felt like your unanswered prayer was the only unanswered prayer in church history? God, you just don't listen to me. You listen to everyone else, but you don't listen to me. Come on, don't act like you don't. Don't get upset about it. Come on. Thank you for a little nod of the head. Yep, yeah, yeah. That was, that was just me last week, Pastor. Yep, yeah, yeah. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, James just lost his head. So why are we even praying for Peter? He's about to die the same way, isn't he? Why are we praying? God didn't answer the last prayer. What's he going to do about this one? Can I tell you, this is a dangerous place to be. Because it's in this place. Guess who shows up knocking? Oh, he's going he's gonna to add to those thoughts you're already thinking anyway. Oh, he's going to throw this kind of thought. Maybe you've heard this thought before. Your prayers change nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah, the enemy, that dirty lion devil, he shows up, he, he starts knocking, right? He's like, he's like, you don't really believe all that stuff you were just singing, do you? He's a never-failing God. <laughs> Come on. He's failed you how many different times? He knocks, he's, right, right, he's, he's, he's knocking, the enemy's knocking. You don't believe that stuff about faith-moving mountains? Taking out giants? Uh-uh, uh-uh. You haven't seen that happen in your own life. You don't, you don't, you don't believe that, that God still comes through. Oh, God, you know what you do believe? You believe that God does good things for other people, but he won't do it for you. And he's just sitting there just knocking. But I feel the need to remind the devil here today. You may have cut off James' head, but you will never cut off the head of the church of Jesus Christ. He is... 
the undefeated one. He is my champion. He reigns now and forever. Sure, you can cut off the head of any preacher of the gospel, but you cannot remove the head of this church. His name is the King of kings and Lord of lords. His name is the one who was and is and is to come. His name is Jesus. Somebody help me remind Satan today. You might have made me believe for a moment God wasn't going to answer my prayer, but you will never make me believe that Jesus isn't my champion who is still undefeated, who will always remain undefeated. And when he's fighting for me, I will be undefeated as well. I've got enough faith to just simply believe, devil. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to earnestly pray. And the church is earnestly and persistently praying to God on behalf of Peter. And this is what I love about the early church. They were still praying in the face of a prayer that God didn't even answer for them. Still praying, still seeking, still asking, still knocking. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to learn to keep knocking until you get on God's nerves. Sometimes you've got, you got to learn to keep calling him up until he blocks your number on his cell phone. Sometimes you've just got to to learn to be stalking him and say, God, cast me not away from your presence. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Sometimes you got to persist like Jacob did. You remember the story of Jacob? He wrestles. The Bible says he's an angel, but he realizes I wrestled with God. And I wrestled with him all night long. Some of you like to fight. Go ahead. Go just wrestle with God and baby, go ahead. Don't fight me. Don't fight your wife. Don't, 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 don't fight flesh and blood. Fight against the, go ahead, go ahead, fight against God. Go ahead, but hang on to God and let him know even after he touches your hip and dislocates it, I won't let go until you bless me. I'm going to hold on. Now you might say, but pastor, that's the old covenant. You are exactly right. So let me give you what Jesus taught us about persisting in prayer. And Luke 18, he says one day Jesus tells his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. And verse 7 tells us this, will not God bring about justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Of course not, he won't. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why I'm just trying to tell you really simply today on a holiday weekend, never stop knocking, never stop asking, never stop believing, never stop praying because it's not about if God can we know he can the hang up for American Christians is if God will really because he didn't answer my last prayer for James what makes you think he's going to answer this prayer for Peter really I know he can that's why I'm praying but really family I'm just curious what 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 can the devil really do against a church that won't stop knocking? What can he do? What can he do? What can he do against a church that, that won't stop praying in spite of their, their pastors and leaders being imprisoned and killed? What can the enemy do against a believer who won't stop believing? I feel like singing a dirty song from the early 80s right now. Don't stop 
But what can the devil do against Christians who just simply say, I'm not going to stop believing even when the worst case scenario shows up on my doorstep. I won't stop believing. What can the devil do with a faith that says, I'm going to go to sleep even though I'm stuck between 16 soldiers? What can the enemy do against a faith that simply says, I, I trust God even though I can't trace him? I believe him, even though he hasn't done what I've expected him to do. What can the enemy do against a faith that simply says, I'm not walking by what I see anyway. I'm walking by faith. Listen to me, family, and I'm done here. I don't believe I'm preaching today to people who are perfect. I believe I'm preaching to people today who need to learn persistence. In fact, outside of where Jesus says, be therefore perfect as God is perfect, I see far more scriptures telling me to be persistent, to persevere, to never give up. That's what I see in scripture. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, God did not answer your last prayer. Yes, James is dead. But can I help you today? Just look outside the front door. Peter is standing, knocking. Just look outside. You've already got the answer to your prayer. I'm gonna repeat something I said last week, just in case you weren't here. When Elisha's servant saw the armies coming against them, he put all sorts of faith in the fact, I'm probably about to die. And Elisha simply prayed a prayer, Lord, open up his eyes, let him see there are more that are for us than those against us. And what happened in that moment? His eyes were open to see God had already answered the prayer. God was already working. Ladies and gentlemen, you can get caught up on the last prayer God didn't answer, or you can open the door and look outside and see that Peter is already standing there. God is already at work. And why do I have to see James die and Peter imprisoned? Why do I have to, to see a prayer God didn't answer while I'm praying for one? I hope that he does. You know what I believe God is doing in this text? I believe he's given us a side-by-side -side example. Because isn't it so easy to lose faith after James is already dead? Isn't it so easy to say God doesn't answer prayer? He didn't come through for me. He probably never will. I prayed and I fasted and, and, I, and I believed and I cried and he didn't answer. Maybe he never will. It's so easy to stop believing once James is dead. But I hear God speaking to someone's heart today if you're willing to listen. And he's telling you this, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking because your miracle is already at the door. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking because your healing is already at the door. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking because that breakthrough is at the door. Keep asking, 
Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Because I've already won the victory for you. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Because I'm a great God. And I've got great things in store for you. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Because no eye has seen. And no one has heard. And neither has it even entered your hearts. The things I've already prepared for those who love me. Here's what I'd like to do just for a moment. If you'd be willing to join me. I'd like to do something in defiance of that lying devil. I'd, I'd, I'd like for somebody just to help me today. Just pray and believe in defiance of everything Satan tried to do to take me out. Herod had bad intentions for the church. Satan has bad intentions for every believer. But I promise you, devil, in spite of everything you've tried to bring against my life to take me out, here I am, still asking, still praying, still seeking, still knocking, still obeying, still trusting. Here I am, devil. Paul said like this one time in Romans 16, he said, everyone has heard about your obedience. Can somebody say, I want that to be my testimony. Everybody has heard about your obedience. Not about your praise, not about your worship team, not about your preacher. Every, I want this to be my testimony. Everybody has heard about my obedience. So Paul says, I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Ladies and gentlemen, I love this next verse and the God of peace if you will obey then God will crush Satan under your feet this is just not about peace this is about persistence and I'm going to obey and I believe God is fighting for me and he will soon crush the enemy against me and if you read your Bible in context this is, what I, this is why I just want to defy Satan today. I want, I want to defy his lies today. I want to defy the BS he's, he's made you believe uh, about God and about your prayer life and about the last unanswered prayer. I want to defy Satan today, and I want him to, to hear me really good. Guess what, lying devil? At the very end of Acts 12, Peter isn't dead. But you know who is? Herod. Herod. The thing that was against me, God took care of and removed it completely. I came to remind you the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. If you can with your hands raised right now, just help me for just a brief moment. Just help me. Help me just for a moment. Let's just praise God in spite of. Help me for a moment. Let's sing in spite of. Help me for a moment. Let's believe in the face of an unanswered prayer. Help me for just a moment. Let's lift our voice and shout and let these walls that have been standing for the last six days begin to come down on the seventh. Somebody help me right now. Lift up a sound of faith before the throne of God that says, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I believe you. Lord, my hope is in your promises. God, today, I'm letting the enemy know. Maybe God didn't do it last time, but I know he can, and today I believe he will. My God will come through time and time again. And the thing that's against me, if God be for me, who can be against me? This devil's coming down. 
This Herod's going to die. This giant's going to fall. These walls are going to crumble. I believe it today in the name above all names. Someone throw up your hands real high and defy everything Satan has brought against your life and against your marriage and against your health and against your family and against your finances and against your anointing and against your ministry and declare today in the name of Jesus I have the authority to bring this thing down. I have the authority to outlive this devil. I have the authority to hold on to the promises of God. They are yes and amen in the name of Jesus. I have Today. Yes, I have it today. One more time, say. When I lift my voice and shout, everyone, I have the authority. Oh, that Jesus has. And I believe this today, God. When I open up my mouth. Stop breaking out. I have the authority. Where'd that authority come from? Where'd it come from? Tell him. Say, you are my champion. Giants fall where you stand undefeated. Every Before I close today, I get it. Some of you are still having trouble knocking. That's why in these moments people zone out or they walk out because you're still having trouble knocking. You're still having trouble praying. You're still having trouble believing. Sometimes it's hard when I feel like I've been doing this, Pastor, and no one's answering. So I want to leave you with this biblical image today. Because if you're having a difficulty praying, believing, having difficulty knocking, let me just flip the script for you for a moment. Revelations 3.20. Behold, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Maybe you're having difficulty knocking, but guess what? When God starts knocking, he keeps knocking. When people give up on you, God never gives up on you. If your heart is still beating, then God is still knocking. I'm speaking to every Christian right now that is just going through the motions. I'm speaking to every believer that's just barely holding on to your faith today. And I hear Jesus saying, knock, knock. I hear Jesus saying, knock, knock. You know the joke, who's there? I'll tell you who's there. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. I hear Jesus saying, knock, knock. Who's there? The one who prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemy. Knock, knock. Who's there? I 
tell you who's there. My good shepherd who makes me lie down in green pastures and sleep. Knock, knock, who's there? I'll tell you who's there. The light and salvation. I'll tell you who's there. Your shield and exceedingly great reward. I'll tell you who's there. The bread of life, the light of the world, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life. I'll tell you who's there. The alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He was dead, but now he lives forever and ever I'll tell you who's there the Christ the son of the living God and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it put your hands together and praise the one who stands there showing me how to never give up to persist in prayer now with that image in mind all over this room let's lift our hands to heaven and as a child reaching for his father here's what I'm going to tell you to do knock again here's what I'm going to tell you to do ask again Karina Jess this is what I'm going to tell you to do believe again believe again if you got a bad diagnosis from the doctor, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Trust the Word of God again. By His stripes, I am healed. If the enemy has come against you like a flood, believe the Word of God. He will raise up a standard against the enemy. A thousand will fall your side, ten thousand at your right, but it will not touch you or your family. Believe again with our hands raised. Come on, somebody, ask again. Come on, somebody, persist again. Earnestly pray again. It didn't work last time, but maybe, just maybe, my miracle's standing outside the door this time. I lost something last time, but maybe, just maybe, God's about to restore something this time. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe. I've heard other people get their blessing. Maybe, just maybe, I'll get mine today as well. With our hands raised one more time in persistent prayer, Father, we come before you today, humbly, but boldly before the throne of grace, as Hebrews teaches us. And we don't come before you as slaves begging. We come before you as sons asking, believing, and thanking. God, today the healing is mine. Believe it, child. God, today the breakthrough is mine. Believe it, child. God, today I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. The enemy can't mess with my mind or my faith anymore. God, today I don't just need your peace. I need to persist in this moment because I believe the miracle is already here. Thank you, Lord. I receive it today for my family. I receive it today for my ministry. I receive it today for this community. I believe it and I receive it in the name above all names. Someone shout Jesus. Shout Jesus. Shout Jesus. Shout Jesus. Amen. And amen. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Just lay hands on somebody next to you right now. 
Because if there's, I know, if I know anything about the enemy, I know he wants you to believe that you're in this all alone. If you've ever felt the need to be away from church, that didn't come from God. Isolation is a tactic of the enemy, and he's really good at it. Look at what happened two years ago. We were all isolated. Some of you, you were really nice people before quarantine, and then afterwards you got so pessimistic and negative and defeated and, and just, just nasty. You just mean now. You just mean. But I'm praying for you. And here today, we're not going to persist in prayer alone. The Bible says it was the church that earnestly prayed. Everyone look around the room real quick. Please don't let anyone stand alone. Don't let anyone stand alone. You see somebody by themselves, you walk over and lay a hand on them. Don't let anyone stand or sit alone. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. We're moving. Amen. Thank you. Amen. I see. I see. The tactic of the enemy is make me believe I'm in this alone. No one understands. No one's ever been through this before as though billions of people haven't already lived through some similar experience. The tactic of the enemy is to get me alone. And that's when he begins to win. So this is how we win. We unite. We come together. And where I'm lacking a little faith, the strong parts make up for the weak parts in the body. That's why we're known as the body of Jesus Christ, not individuals. We are a body. So here today, if you can't bring down Satan by yourself, I got you. Here today, you're having trouble believing you're not alone. I got you. Here today, you've heard so many lies from the kingdom of darkness. Well, guess what, baby? I've got some truths from the word of God. I got you. And when the church, the body of Jesus, came together and prayed, God sent an angel. God began to work. It wasn't when I was alone pleading and begging. It's when I began to gather corporately with others and say, believe with me. Carry this burden with me. What happened is God began to move and God began to work. And Peter, who was one time bound up, began to be set free. I want to speak on your family. Those who are bound up, if we will begin to pray together, I believe God's going to work. And we're going to see literally the bandages of darkness break and fall off their life today. So Father, right now, I speak over my brother and I speak over my sister. I speak over my son and over my daughter. I speak over this vessel that I maybe not even know. And I pray today, God, that their faith would increase. Come on, pray that over them right now. I pray, God, whatever they're believing for is going to happen. Whatever they're asking for, you're going to answer. Whatever they're seeking for, they're going to find. Whatever they're knocking for, I pray they don't give up because my faith and their faith combined is going to see this door answered, this door opened, this problem solved, this situation taken care of, this devil defeated in the name of Jesus. Can you just take a few more seconds and pray. Come on, pray. Earnestly pray. Persistently pray. Believe God for that miracle for your brother today. Believe it for your sister today. It's here, God. And we thank you. We thank you. It's already done. It's already at the door. Hallelujah. Open their eyes, God. Open the eyes of their hearts. Enlighten them. Let them see. It's already done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let all God's people put their hands together and shout amen today. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Amen 
and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. I, I do got to get out of here. I get it. It's your holiday. But before we go and possibly injure ourselves, and maybe not with fireworks, maybe just with gluttony, right? before we do that, I want you to know this family. There's a God in heaven who loves you with an everlasting love. Hold on, bring it real low. I don't, I, I don't want anyone to zone me out right here. God loves you with an everlasting love. I talk about persistence in prayer, but there's no one more persistently after you than the love of God, the grace of God. Even when we are faithless, Scripture says that God remains faithful. And his love for us is so consistent and persistent. And if you are anyone in this room, if you are a, a living testimony of the persistent love of God, can you just throw up a hand and say amen? Amen. Look around the room real quick. I know it's not everybody. So here's what I want to believe right now, and I need you to believe this with me. That those of you who have been trying to run from that love, today that persistent love just overwhelms you and overtakes you. And I believe that God wants more than anything for you to be part of a family as well. His family. It's all over this room. Can you just do me just a, a, one quick solid? Let's just close our eyes and let's just pray. Especially those of you who are sensing God's love coming for you. In spite of all the things you've done wrong, the ways you've acted, the sins you've committed, here comes his love so consistent and persistent. Scripture defines it like this. The Bible says his love is unfailing. It's an unfailing kind of love. We fail, but his love never does. So Father, right now, I know you're speaking to people's hearts. I can see it, Lord Jesus, standing there and knocking, saying, if you open the door, I will come in and I will be with you. I'm going to ask everyone just to pray this prayer with me and open the door to your heart and welcome him in. Everyone repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you now, Come into my heart. I open the door and I welcome you. Forgive me for all my sins. Forgive me of everything I've said and done that was evil and wrong. I believe you died on a cross for all of my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you are seated in heaven. I believe you're preparing a place for me to be with you forever. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. I believe you are my Lord and my Savior. Help me now to live for you every day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you believe what you just said, God said right now, salvation is yours. An eternal reward in heaven is yours. Your spirit has been saved by the grace of God.